What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Joseph Orr Podcast and the JB Podcast Network. Happy Christmas. Merry New Year. Hope everyone is having a great holidays. No guest. That's right. For the first time, very first time, you have to listen to me the whole time. I'm sorry. No guest for the very first time. So what are we going to talk about on this episode? Well, we have very sadly, very happily, depending on who you root for and whether you enjoy me being in pain, it is the very last Sunday in hell. 16 Sundays in hell, Sunday 16 of 16. The Brown season is now over, believe it or not. All the hype, all the off-season acquisitions, everything, all the noise around this team, they are not going to the postseason. In fact, they weren't even close. We're going to talk about all that. We're not going to talk about the Bengals game. That I'm, I'm happy with the Bengals game because Freddie Kitchens needed to be gone and if it really came down to how the Cincinnati game went, it went exactly how you wanted it to go as a Browns fan because I'm pretty sure 99.9% of you Browns fans wanted Freddie Kitchens gone. Listen, I have nothing against Freddie Kitchens. He was just way in way over his head as a rookie head coach. Seems like a great guy. Everyone says the nicest things about him. He seems like an awesome guy. Just not ready to be a head coach. So we're going to do 16 Sundays in Hell. We're going to talk about the college football playoff semifinal, OSU and Clemson specifically. We're going to talk about the officials and kind of how that game went and kind of how I look at it. I'm very unbiased. I am from Ohio. I did grow up 40 minutes from Ohio State's campus. I am not a Buckeye. I'm a Sun Devil. And I didn't really grow up loving the Buckeyes. I didn't grow up a Buckeye fan. So I'm kind of looking at this from an unbiased sort of neutral position. So I feel like I have an interesting point of view on this. And then I just kind of quickly want to talk about LSU and Clemson. That is the national championship game, which two weeks off. They don't play till the 13th on that Monday. Wow, LSU looked amazing. They're rolling. I'm going to get to that at the very end of the episode. I'm just going to quickly talk about, I don't have some in-depth. I'm not an insider. I'm not an analyst. I'm just an idiot with a podcast, so I'm going to basically just give my pick and talk about how much I've enjoyed watching Joe Burrow and how freaking terrified I am that the AFC North is going to consist of Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Ben Roethlisberger forever, how long his career goes on against my Cleveland Browns. Okay, let's get right into it. 16 Sundays in hell, Sunday number 16 of 16. Let me take a drink of water real fast because this is going to be a mouthful. Oh, that's good water. Okay, let's go over my picks real quick. At the beginning of the year, I said the Browns were going to go 10-6. and six. They went 6-10, and 10, but let's talk about my picks for the individual games. Missed on Tennessee, hit on the Jets and Rams, missed on the Ravens and 49ers, hit on Seattle and New England, missed on Denver. Then I got hot, folks. I got hot, hit on Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Miami, Pittsburgh. Again, Cincinnati, missed on Arizona, hit on Baltimore, missed on Cincy, which... I did pretty well. I was proud of myself this year. 10 and 6. I went 10 and 6. That's what I predicted the Browns to go. In reality, the Browns went 6 and 10. It was a disaster. So, Browns are one for one so far this offseason. What have they done? The offseason is only a few days old for them. I'm recording this on Monday night. The game was on Sunday. We're just 24 hours removed from the last game of the season. They're one for one because they fired Freddie Kitchens. He had to go. Like I said, Freddie, great guy. Great personality, wasn't cut out to be a head coach, definitely not on this team. I hope he catches on somewhere else. I don't think he'll, I don't know if he'll ever be a head coach again. I seriously doubt it, but I think he will coach again. I think he's a good mind. He could be a good position guy, maybe even a coordinator again one day. We'll see. But the Browns are off to a one-for-one start. Fire Freddie Kitchens. They also need to address the O-line. 
The Browns have the number one, they're the number 10 pick in the draft. That could be a good pick. We'll see what the Browns can do. They need to address O-line, and I'm going to go over kind of position by position, especially offense, and talk about where they're good and kind of what's going to go on. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he needs to have an extremely quiet, just, he. We need, to, we need to be like, is Baker alive? Did he like fall off the face of the earth? That's what we need from him. We need to, if we're going to see and hear anything from him, I just want to see like Instagram stories of him working out, like getting in shape and just working with his receivers. I want to see videos of him throwing to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Now those guys are a little beat up. You have to take a step away from the game. I'm not going to expect to see Instagram stories before the, uh, you know, here in January, but as the off season gets into full swing and once those guys get healthy and Jarvis Landry may need a procedure uh, Odell Beckham Jr. May need, may need a procedure for that sports hernia. We will see. Um, but as long as those guys are ready to go, I, I want to see pictures and videos of those guys together all summer. They have to build that chemistry, and hopefully they'll be renewed and healthy and ready to go and reset for a new year. So that's the only thing I want to hear and see out of Baker Mayfield is him working out and him hanging out with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry in the football field all off-season long leading into the summer. Um We'll see what the Browns do in free agency. Maybe maybe they'll make some trades. I'm not sure. The Browns still have a ton of cap room. They really do. And it'll be interesting to see if they decide to bring in. This team is super young, extremely young, like youngest in the league young. They're either one or two in terms of youngest roster in the entire league. The Browns might benefit from some more veteran, uh, more veteran acquisitions through free agency and trades. They might, and I mean, I really don't know, but I, you know, it can't, it can't hurt, right, to have guys, veteran guys who have been there before, who are capable, who are proven, just to be in that locker room and also on the field with this young team. Um, some names going around now for head coach, that's a big, you have to fill that thing, that's a big vacancy, the Browns absolutely have to get this right, they have to find a guy, and some names that you're hear, hearing right now are, you know, some of the bigger names that you're hearing right now are Mike McCarthy, who, as you know, won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. He was with Aaron Rodgers. We've heard Greg Roman, who uh, coached Colin Kaepernick out in San Francisco. He coached Tyrod Taylor when he was a pro bowler in Buffalo. And now he is with Lamar Jackson as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore. They went 14-2 and that year, and Lamar Jackson is the MVP. So maybe he has a great mind, but maybe he's not the best fit because Baker Mayfield isn't a dual threat like Colin Kaepernick, like Tyrod Taylor, like Lamar Jackson. He's just not. So maybe that's not the best fit, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Um, and then also, Josh McDaniels. He once upon a time was a head coach, but remember, he's the famous guy. He was going to go to Indianapolis to be their head coach for the Colts, but backed out and remained the offensive coordinator with the Patriots. He is a John Carroll grad. He in University Heights, Northeast Ohio in Cleveland. And But what's interesting about Josh McDaniels, if you hire him, most likely it's going to be a package deal. It's going to be him and Nick Cariso. I don't know if I'm even saying that right. I wrote it sloppily down. It's Nick C. He who, Don't worry about the name. It's close enough. If you look up Nick Patriots player, head of player personnel, that's who you're going to find. You're going to find his name, Nick Cariso or whatever it is. I wish my handwriting was better. But it, so that would mean he would come in as a GM. He's not going to come. He's not going to leave New England as their player personnel to go be the player personnel in Cleveland. If he's going to go to Cleveland, it's going to be with Josh McDaniels and going to be the general manager. 
So then it becomes, do you get rid of John Dorsey? John Dorsey has done a pretty good job of acquiring talent. Baker Mayfield looked like a genius pick. This year, not so much. Not ready to give up on him. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But he also made probably one of the worst, if not the worst, head coaching hires in recent history, maybe NFL history. And I don't know if I'm exaggerating. I'm not an NFL historian, but I mean, it's bad. It was bad. And I'm glad that it's over. And I'm glad that it only lasted 16 games, 17 weeks. So that's interesting too. I think the safest hire is Mike McCarthy. He's the most proven. He's got a Super Bowl ring and he's done it as a head coach. Josh McDaniels, maybe the most logical, maybe the most realistic. I think Josh McDaniels wants this bad to come home to Cleveland. I think he's ready to take on, you know, from, from what I'm hearing, from what I'm reading, it seems like Josh McDaniels is ready to take this on. Like he is eager to get back into being a head coach. Maybe the situation, the timing of it, when he was a head coach, it didn't work out. He's back with the Patriots. Wasn't ready then, but maybe ready now. He's a super young guy, still a young guy, but definitely uh, has probably learned from those mistakes and being in New England for all those years. I think he has like six Super Bowl rings. It's crazy. Uh, that, that certainly doesn't help or certainly doesn't hurt. Certainly doesn't hurt. But like I mentioned with that, it could be a package deal. So let's talk about the Browns positionally. Let's start on offense. Even another drink of water there. Baker Mayfield, quarterback. I think the Browns are good here. But if next year goes, if the Browns hire a Josh McDaniels, Mike McCarthy type, if they hire a good coach, which they should, which I think that they will do, and Baker's still bad because he regressed big time this year. He gets a pass this year because of the O-line and Freddie Kitchens. He, Baker gets a pass this year. Sophomore slump gets a pass. All the narrative, you know, oh, everyone's got film on him now. They're seeing him for a second time around. Divisional opponents are seeing, for, seeing him for a third and fourth time. No more passes. He needs to make some serious strides this next year. And if he's with the Josh McDaniels, Mike McCarthy, any of those names... It's time to start looking for a new quarterback, and all of a sudden, the kid that we fell in love with on that Thursday night games Thursday night game against the Jets in relief to get the Browns their first win in 600 some days or whatever it was, we're all back to square run and we square one, and all of a sudden when the draft comes around, you're gonna have to draft. You're gonna God. You're gonna have to draft a quarterback. That's I, my voice is cracking. I'm losing my voice. That's how devastating it is to think about. So we'll see. The Browns are good for now at quarterback. Running back, they're great. Nick Chubb, if it wasn't for Derrick Henry having a huge game in Tennessee and for the Browns, just lack of effort and Freddie Kitchens play calling, uh, he would have been the rushing champ this year. He finished his second in the NFL in rushing yards for the regular season. So Nick Chubb were great. Now Kareem Hunt. Remember, he was on a one-year deal. I would think... I'm not sure exactly what his contract is. From what I'm hearing, he's a restricted free agent. So whatever I believe, if that's right, and I believe the rules are, the way that that works is, let's say Buffalo, I don't know, I'm just throwing a random team out there, wants to throw $10 million at Kareem Hunt. Before Kareem Hunt can sign that contract, the Browns have a chance to match that, or they say, Go ahead, you go sign. So I believe he's a restricted free agent, and that's how it would work. Whatever outside teams offer Kareem Hunt, the Browns would be able to match. 
that. But we'll see what they do because they don't want to totally overpay for a guy where they already have their running back number one. But you can't argue in the second half of the season when he was in there, he was a non-distraction and he was a very, very good player despite being in a broken system and just sort of a ridiculous situation. He still did a great job running the ball behind a bad offensive line, and he was big time in the receiving game, both out of, out uh, split out in the slot and out of the backfield. I think Kareem Hunt is a guy I would love if it's right, if it works out money-wise. Um, I would love for him to be back in Cleveland, and I think he's going to be pretty attractive because he went pretty much a whole calendar year now since that incident. He's been clean. He's been good on the field. He looks good. So I assume teams are going to be knocking at the door and calling his phone and trying to get him on their ball club and take him away from Cleveland. Wide receiver number one and number two, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. I love it. Hollywood Higgins, this is a big question. I hope he sticks around because we saw what he was last year. He was terrific. He was a guy Baker could trust. He was a guy Baker went to. And a lot of games this year, now he was hurt, but a lot of games, he was a healthy scratch. He was inactive. Or he was just standing on the sideline the whole game. Ratley and Hodge were the ones getting the reps out in the field. So we'll see. I would like Higgins to stay around if it works out because I think with the new coach, they can really unleash him and get him back to the form. And if Higgins is my number three at wide receiver, I mean, I'll take that all day. It's like the Indians pitching rotation. If you're telling me Shane Bieber is my number three or number four when he's the all-star game MVP, he was in some conversations for the Cy Young, and he's my number three or number four, at one point, he was. I mean, you'll take that all day. Same with Mike Clevenger. All these guys. He's my number three. Are you kidding me? That, that I mean, if Higgins was my number three behind Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., I'd be ecstatic with that. Left tackle, the Browns need a new one. Center and guard. Center and left guard, I think, are the only locks. Batonio and Treader are very good. They locked up Treader. Batonio has been outstanding um, pretty much his whole career. So I think center and left guard between Treader and Batonio, they're good. Right tackle, got to get a new one. Right guard is a question mark. That's Teller's position. We'll see. That's kind of up in the air. I think Teller played all right. I think he played pretty well. But the Browns still may look at that position uh, to get a new one. Now, replacing three offensive linemen, that's a big one right there. I mean, they have to replace at least one of these tackles. They have to replace one of these tackles. It's an absolute must. It has to happen. On defense, the Browns, they're thin in some areas. Cornerback, I think they're good with Denzel and Greedy. Hope they stay healthy and uh, continue to progress. At linebacker, you would think if Joe Sherbert was coming back, they would have already extended him. They haven't extended him. It looks like they're moving on, and you would think that they are because of how they drafted with Mac Wilson and with uh, Taki Taki, I think the Browns still need, they definitely still need linebackers. I really like Mac Wilson. Taki Taki came on. I, I really didn't pay a ton of attention to him. The defense was just kind of horrid there at the end of the year. It's kind of, it's, it's so hard to assess a lot of these things because at the end of the year, a lot, you know, it was just so bad at the end of the year. It's just hard to assess a lot of these things. Everyone's beat up or they're not playing as hard, you know, as they could be. And, you know, I really don't blame them. Whatever. Uh, safety. Randall is a free agent. We'll see if he sticks around. Uh, so the Browns and, you know, they, they need to add um, another edge rusher. They do. They need depth on defense. They need more guys on defense in the secondary. They need it at linebacker. They have pieces. They have their corners. They have a linebacker. They have Miles Garrett. 
They have Ogunjobi. They have Olivier Vernon. Give me another pass rusher. Kirksey and Schobert, most likely gone. Need linebackers. Need safeties. Randall, is he gone? Need safeties. So that's what the Browns have to address this offseason. I'll continue to talk some Brown stuff um, in the podcast, keeping it real with the 16 Sundays in hell. But thanks for listening. That's been 16 Sundays in hell for this year. Um, let's roll right in. I'm just rolling right through, guys. I know I usually have the fancy transitions, but it's it's the night, it's it's the eve of New Year's Eve, and I'm doing this late at night. I'm just gonna roll through this. So if you guys are on board, let's do it. Wink, wink, nudge, judge. Clemson and Ohio State. Clemson wins. They go to the national championship. Ohio State loses in devastating fashion. They were they were driving. Looked like they were gonna win the game. Maybe ends on a Justin Fields interception. Him and Chris Alave just not on the same page. But let's talk about the officials because this, everyone, this is what everyone's talking about. Ohio State fans, media, everyone on Twitter who watched this game, whether you had a dog in the fight or not, is talking about the officiating. Let's start with the big one, the targeting call. I don't exactly like the excuse, well, Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", if he doesn't duck down like that, you know, what is he supposed to do? And you know what? I'm not out there. I'm not moving that fast. But at the end of the day, I don't think the targeting rule and some of the situational stuff, I don't necessarily agree with the rule, but I agree with the call because that's what the rule is. He came in there and hit him helmet to helmet with his head straight down with the crown of his helmet. His head was completely down. It was, he went in there like a spear. He was looking directly at the ground when he hit Trevor Lawrence. Whether he's standing up or not, now it's definitely not a targeting call if he doesn't hit him in the head. But if your head's down, your head's down. And, that, and that's the risk I feel like you take. That's what doesn't get talked about. Oh, you can't dip down. Well, let me play, let me play devil's advocate here. That's the risk you take when you go down, when you go in there with your head down in a dangerous position for yourself. And for the person that you're tackling, that's the risk that you take. They duck down. They brace for impact. Quarterback, he starts to go down. You know, instead of taking that hit, maybe he tries to just to get down. And when you put your head down and you're not looking at what you're tackling, that's just the other side of it. And I don't like the rule. You know, for example, if you watch the LSU game on a pass play, they're running back, Zelair. He's running like an out route, not really in the play. Then an Oklahoma guy leaves his feet, launches Hits him right in the head. That's targeting. Stuff like that is targeting. When you're taking a cheap shot like that, I think of targeting as cheap shots. I don't think it, uh, you know, going after a defenseless guy. Trevor Lawrence saw that safety coming for Ohio State. I don't see that as a cheap shot. I don't like that it was targeting. But because of what the rule is and because of what we are told the officials are told in the offseason when they're being showed film and then when, when they're being taught these new rules and how to call it and interpret these things, when they're going back to look, you know, when they're watching on the field, then when they go to watch it on replay because all the targeting calls are subject to replay, they're going to follow the rule. That's what they're taught. They are taught that that is targeting, and I don't like that, but don't be mad at the rest for making the right call. Be mad at whoever makes those rules, you know, I know it's hard and it's emotional, it's your team, and that totally changed the momentum of the game. And I get why you're pissed and why you're upset and why you think that that was a big part that just totally shifted everything and cost you the game. But at the same time, don't rough the punter. Get touchdowns instead of field goals. 
Dobbins took his eye off the ball in the last second on that screen pass. He would have walked in for a touchdown, would have at least had a first down. Don't drop the ball. Make a play. So that's not the only thing that changed it around. And then I really hate this. I feel for Ohio State fans on this. I don't know what the exact call is. All of it's so weird. Same with the Dobbins touchdown and his diving catch. The ball hit the ground. You know, when you're a runner and you take off and that ball crosses the plane and, you know, the ball crosses the plane and the play's pretty much dead. It's a touchdown. If you're a runner, you know, you could drop the ball. It could go out of bounds. It's not a safety or it's not a touchback. Ball crosses the plane when you're a runner. It's a touchdown. But as a passer, as a catcher, you got to complete that. The ball can't hit the ground. So that, once again, is the right call. I don't exactly like it, and I don't exactly ever understand it. Even that one, I was like, this is 50-50. I really don't know. I'm guessing it's going to be incomplete, but I don't know. I've seen it called both ways. It's weird. Um, that one was weird, but the fumble, and then the worst thing about that is, you know it was fourth down, you get the ball back, whatever. But, I mean, a fumble, and it was returned for a touchdown. So not only are you taking possession away from Ohio State, but it was called a fumble on the field, and it was a touchdown. You're taking seven points away from Ohio State. I didn't like that call. I think that was the most devastating one. I think that one was much, much worse and much more controversial than the targeting. So can't blame the refs. Like I said, field goals instead of touchdowns early on. Dobbins, the drop screen pass. The roughing the punter. Um... Then you gave up two big plays. You gave up two 50-plus yard plays. One of them was a 60-plus yard run by Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. Big 6'6 guy. Now, I know he can move, but, I mean, he's not Braxton Miller. He was running away from guys. He made a guy miss one-on-one in the secondary. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think about the Ohio State-Clemson game. LSU-Clemson. Now, LSU, Joe Burrow, seven touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns in the first half. It was 49 to a little... At the, end of the, at, at the end of two quarters, he ran one in in the third quarter. He, had, he was responsible for eight touchdowns. I think LSU is going to win. Now, I did pick Clemson in this little bowl thing I'm doing with my uncle at his work. I did pick Clemson. picked Clemson over Ohio State. I picked LSU over Oklahoma. So I picked the national championship game right. I need, I, I'm rooting for LSU, but I picked Clemson to win. So if I'm not in it for the money... I'm all in on LSU. If I'm in it for the money, right now I'm 55-45 LSU. But when that money gets on the line, I may it may swing really, really fast. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be an all-time classic game. LSU is going to have a home game. They're playing in the Superdome in New Orleans, just up the road from Baton Rouge. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be an insane environment. LSU and Clemson. I think this one's going to be a classic. LSU routed Oklahoma. Clemson, once again, they win in the college football playoff. That's just what they do. Excuse me. They're going to be in another classic. It is going to be a classic game, I think, in an insane environment that will be talked about for years and years and generations and lifetimes to come. So, yeah, that was my full-on, my first solo show. First solo show, guys. It's exciting. This was good. I like just running right through this, getting this done nice and easy. It was football. 16 Sundays in hell, Ohio State, what the Browns are going to do this offseason, LSU-Clemson National Championship game. This is a fun time of year, especially when you're in college, Christmas break. Oh, gosh, I'm going to miss Christmas break. It's the best. 
just watching football. It's nothing that's going on. Oh, you're t- Memphis and Penn State. Oh, sign me up for that. Florida's playing Virginia right now. It's just the random bowl games and the crazy things that happen. It's the absolute best. So, guys, last podcast of 2019. Started this in August. I cannot thank you guys enough for listening. Um, you know, giving me support, whether it's been reaching out or, you know, if I go to school with you or whatever and I see you in person and you say that, you you know, have given it a listen or you're excited to listen um, or you've been a guest on, just thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing it. And um, to know that, you know, just that anyone listens and that anyone enjoys it, it means a ton to me. And yeah, so I just really Really appreciate it. Subscribe, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Interviews every Monday. Going to get back on the train eventually with Uncle Micah for the betting podcast. We're going to have to find out what we're going to do. We're going to be betting some NFL playoff games, I assume, coming very quickly. Can't wait to talk about those games. Um, So I'm going to continue to talk about football until it's done. But in the new year when The Bachelor comes back on, get ready because The Bachelor talk is returning and it's going to be on this podcast for the very, oh, well, I did it once. I did one recap once. So it's going to be back in full force for the very first time. Really excited to that. Thank you guys so much again for listening. I will talk to you guys next time.